Let's all come and grab our seats. Get ready for what God is going to say through the Word of God this morning. I am just absolutely overwhelmed when the Spirit of God comes and when the presence of God is here. How many, could anyone actually feel it? I know this is a silly question, but who could feel it this morning? Who could feel the power of the presence of God, yeah? And uh, if you didn't feel it, please, like I always say, Brahm wouldn't have felt it, but he would have said, but my heart was warm, that's what he'd say. <laughs> um, but yeah, I can still barely stand. Um, Spirit of God is amazing. You know, none of us knew anything about anyone that we spoke words over today. But Roger just came up and told me that that young man, Erdon, did I get it right? You know how I said I saw a special forces soldier? Roger said he was a special forces soldier in Israel. Um, see, the Holy Spirit knows. That's what words of knowledge are. He knows how to speak to someone and reach their hearts. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, Erdon, because God loves you. He knows everything about you. And... Um, yeah, it's amazing. So, let's get into the Word this morning because it's, it's amazing what God is doing in our church services. It's so in line with what God is speaking to me to preach into. Uh, I want us to open up to Second Chronicles 20 and then after that we're going to go to Colossians 4. So, Second Chronicles 20 starting at verse 13. And we are going to read and go right through to verse 19. But before we do that, I'm going to pray. <laughs> I can't think straight at the moment. The presence of God is so powerful. Father, I thank you, Lord, for visiting us like this with your presence. We don't deserve it, Lord, but we do seek for it. We're not worthy of it, Father, but you've made us worthy through Jesus. Lord, we, we hunger for more. We want more. We want to be alert, Lord. We want to be ready. We cry out for more. We need a visitation first in us, in our churches, and Lord, in our nation and in the nations of the world. Father, please come and visit us continually. Let us spring up within us like this, Father. Lead us and teach us. Teach us, Lord, how to operate in the gifts of the Spirit like you did this morning. Lord, we're going to make mistakes, but we know that you know how to lead us. And so, Father, we ask you to, to show us, Lord, this is new for us, Father, but we're so excited. We're so excited. I can feel your tangible presence. I barely know how to stand, Lord, and I don't want to get in the way of what you want to do in people's uh, minds and their hearts, Lord. So just speak through me today, and I ask you, Father, please continue to speak to them, because I know you are, Lord. I know you're speaking to them, and uh, you're speaking to me as well. So, Father, we give it to you now, this whole service, the rest of my preaching, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Second Chronicles 20, starting at verse 13. Now, all of Judah, with their little ones, their wives, and their children, stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. Well, those two verses, there is so much packed right there. As I read that, I, I just see series coming off of almost each word. Verse 15, and he said, Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid nor dismayed, 
because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshipping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children and of the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. Whew. What a packed passage of scripture that is. And then the second reference we want to look at today and sort of pin what I'm saying on today, I want to really sort of uh, ground what we're, we're going to speak on today in these two, two areas. Colossians 4 verse 2 simply says this, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word. So I think there's something we have to really understand as the people of God that we as the church are actually formed in the storms of life. Spiritual formation happens as individuals in the storm, but spiritual for formation, therefore, if it's happening individually, is also going to happen corporately because you can't separate corporate from individual. We're all living stones, but we are joined one to another and we are meant to minister to one another. We are being built into the house of God. And so we are living stones, but we are part of a building. Jesus is the cornerstone of that building. So we need to understand the spiritual formation happens in the storm. But the amazing thing is that when we are in the storm, his anointing actually gives us perspective. You know, we're, we've been doing a whole series on taking back Pentecost. And I started off by doing a, a, a series about the anointing and how the anointing is in us and what that really means. Now I'm speaking into the whole principle of the corporate anointing. Or what happens when, when we gather together corporately as the people of God? And this is quite phenomenal. And, and the more I, I, I prepare to preach, the more I get to preach. So I don't know when this series is actually going to end. But like I said, I think last week, don't worry, I'll give you a break every now and then. You'll get to hear somebody else's voice. Uh, but I, I believe that this is a bit of a watershed moment in the life of our church where we're laying down some very powerful principles as we go into the next decade. I believe the next decade is going to be the decade of the church ri arising, the church, where we're going to see the glory of God come into the house of God like we've never seen before. And I just thank God that we're positioned and we're ready and we're saying, Lord, use us in any way you can. He's going to use his church in the city, which is made up of many, many different churches. Many, they look different, they sound different, but if God finds people whose hearts are wholly his, they're his church. And so we're going to see a whole move of God in this next decade of unity amongst pastors and leaders and different denominational speakers and leaders and pastors. It's going to be phenomenal. But it will be people who are marked that have been faithful with the glory of God and uh, who are ready and are positioned well in humility and in unity to recognize one another. And God will begin to do that. I really, I believe I'm speaking this prophetically. 
And, and so we're going to see something amazing, but there's been a spiritual formation that's been taking place in the body of Christ over these last, well, probably six to ten years, I would say, because God has been preparing us for what is coming, and there is something coming. But in the midst of the storms, see, we, we, we have to understand that we will go through these things, but his anointing, which is his presence, which is the Holy Spirit, like we've learned in the first, in the first series on the anointing, we, we learn that his anointing actually gives us perspective. When storms come against the church, and of course they're going to come against the church, the church, because we are the bride of Christ, we are the people of God. So when you look at us as a, as a unit, as a body, of course, of course the enemy is not going to be pleased with the church. We are the body of Christ. We are him, his expression here. We're made up, it's multifaceted, it's made up of many different names and looks and people and all sorts of things, but his bride, he knows his bride. Jesus looks down and doesn't see all the different denominations and the names and all this sort of thing. You know, people want to change the names of their churches and do all sorts of things, but really there's one bride and there's one people and they are marked because God sees them because as we learned uh, in, in the earlier weeks on this series that there's a mark, a spiritual mark, uh, a, 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 like a signet ring going in on us. It's, it's, it's an in, invisible mark on our lives and it's a seal of the Holy Spirit. And so God sees us wherever we are. And, um, <clears throat> and so when the storms come against the church, the church, it will affect all of us, but it also affects us individually. And so we can't separate the impact of what it's like to go through our own storms we have to sort of be clever enough and skillful enough to recognize that when we're going through individual storms, it's probably because we're part of the bigger picture. And we're actually part of the body that this, this enemy of ours who has the lease on the world at this point in time, the devil, uh, he hates the body of the anointed one. So, you know, if he crucified Jesus, Nailed him to a cross, what's he going to do to the body? What's he going to do to us who are now here as the expression of Jesus on the earth? And so we will feel those things individually. And here we see in the scripture we just read in, in Chronicles, Second Chronicles from uh, chapter 20, we see that even the wives and the children all felt the impact of the enemy's imminent approach. They, they were there, the wives, the children, they, the whole of them all felt, all of Judah, it says all of Judah were gathered together. They could feel the impact and the intimidation of the enemy's approach. So when we as the church go through something, it feels like all of our own individual weaknesses come under attack as well. It'll happen in us individually. And therefore, like you heard me say last week, the next, the next if you kind of just keep drawing circles of, of influence and circles of relationships, then if you're married, the next relationship that's going to be affected is your marriage. And then it's going to, the storm's going to affect your family because they're the next ones and your extended family, then your friends and your colleagues. Like this is what will happen. And so it feels like our own individual weaknesses come under attack and every vulnerability comes to the surface. Is this true? Yeah, absolutely it's true. I know it's true. And that's why we want to run sometimes. We want to run. We want to, you know, do like those cartoon characters and sort of, zoom, and the legs start, you know, and off they go. They're, they're, we've taken off. Everything in us wants to run. We want to run from church. We want to run from Christians. We want to run from, from, from the Word of God. We want, to, we want to run from the presence of God because the fight gets so hard. Is this true? 
And uh, believe me, I know that. Not only as a Christian, but as a pastor and as a leader, I know what that feels like. To the point that the devil tries to make you want to give up everything, give up your ministry. I met a beautiful couple last night who used to pastor a church and, and the woman said to me, I don't know how you're doing it, Di. I don't know how you're doing it. She said, we did it for five years. We couldn't do it anymore. We couldn't cope. It was too hard. And I said, I know. I said, we've had to die daily. We've had to come to a place of complete death and it's only by the grace of God and the prayers of people around us that we're still standing. But that's the reality. The spiritual battle is fierce because this is a spiritual kingdom. Whether we like it or not, millennials, this is a spiritual kingdom. And we have to come back into that place of remembering that and realising that. See, what I see with the younger generation, I'm talking about the generation beneath me, my children's generation. What I witnessed in Australia and worldwide was the doors opening for an entire generation to pursue God. When you were all younger, when you were kids, you know, when you were teenagers. I, I saw it in our manifest conferences. We, people would come from all over the state to come. All, they'd bring their youth groups and their youth teams and, and they would come. And these kids would be up the front bawling their eyes out in this very room, crying in the presence of God, experiencing what we just experienced this morning flat on their faces. Who remembers that? Anyone here remember that? Yeah. Amazing, amazing, amazing moments. But I've also watched that very generation run in exactly the other direction. Who knows what I'm talking about? Who has friends that have done exactly that? Yeah, exactly. Because they've not just run from church, they've run from God because they've become very cynical. So now for me to keep preaching and teaching the same thing, it's like, it's like going upstream constantly. But I'm telling you, the grace of God is pulling me upstream. And I will keep preaching it. Not only will I keep preaching it, but we will see a demonstration of it. Because God will confirm his word with signs and wonders following. That, of that I am assured. And he will do it because he loves that generation. And I'll tell you in a minute what God has been speaking to me about that generation. But you see, that's why people run. Because things get too tough. They, it gets too much. And I don't blame that generation, your younger generation. I don't blame them. You've heard me say this many times. I blame my generation. I believe they, were, they have inaccurately represented the, the power of God. They've been ashamed of the presence of the Holy Spirit. They have not wanted to let go and do what we did this morning. There's been a disdain of the move of God. I've watched it. I've seen it. I've heard too many testimonies. I know too many senior pastors. And I've heard too much. There's been too much control. There's been too much of a one-man show. There's been a wrong theology, a biblical theology on even how to run churches. And it's all got to change. And I believe God's doing it. I believe God is going to start a ground roots, uh, grassroots kind of movement. And I believe the very ones who have run from church are actually going to run back in the droves and become leaders in this coming move of God. That's what I'm believing for. So getting back to this principle, when the storms come against the church, you see, we will feel all that, but the beauty of persecution, and in a sense it is persecution. Do we realize that? Sometimes we have to recognize that we're actually being persecuted purely for our belief systems. Or it might just be the issues that we face. That's when the church will actually shine her bright, brightest because we, sh we shine the brightest in the darkest of storms. 
And in the darkness of storms, that's when you see the glory of God the most, both individually and corporately. So the key is to run to the combined joint anointing, not from the anointing. That's why I read that scripture last week, don't forsake the assembling together of yourselves, especially as the day approaches. We need to encourage one another. And we saw a demonstration of that encouragement here this morning. Because the principle is we're stronger together. And together we create a combined anointing that speaks to us both as individuals and as a people. So you have the individual anointing happening and you have the corporate anointing happening. We heard that this morning. We heard the corporate anointing. We saw the gifts of the Spirit in operation. And then we heard the the heart of God to the congregation. And then we heard the specific individual words of prophecy, of of encouragement with, with, with words of knowledge in there. Because God wants to speak to us. He's aching. He's aching to speak. He's aching to be known. He's aching to be heard. A head is meant to direct a body. Right now, I'm doing all of this, saying all this, because my head is connected to my body. Half the time, I think the church disconnects from the head and keeps moving on like a headless chook and keeps walk, walking and moving and doing stuff out of, out of habit and out of religiosity, but they're not really fully connected to the head, Jesus, and hearing what he's saying. But together, we, co- we create a combined anointing that speaks to us. So we have to start realizing that what affects you personally ultimately affects all of us corporately. Can we see that? You know, there's a scripture that says we are joined together by every, that every, every joint supplies. Every joint supplies. We're all living stones connected. And that's, this joint affects that joint. That joint affects that joint. So what you're going through, you know, at the area of the joint, that's going to affect the next person. But we're all going through stuff. And that's why we need the corporate anointing because it's in the unity of the body that God begins to build us up and he builds us into his house. All right? So we, we need, we desperately need every living stone to be connected in and to be perfected by God, myself included. 1 Peter 1, 6 says this, and verse 7 says this, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, now listen to this, if necessary, I don't think we've ever heard a sermon called if necessary before, but that hit me the other day, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So see, we, we, we've grown up, and you guys have been sort of surrounded by church culture, you know, from America and Australia, and, and it just sort of goes, it permeates the Western kind of mindset of church, that somehow this Christian walk has to be perfect and amazing, and that we live this abundant life in, our, in what we own and what we possess, and that we're always going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, and, and this prosperity gospel. And, you know, and, and yet right here it says we're actually meant to rejoice if necessary, if necessary, we've been distressed by various trials. So when I read that, I realize, hey, what I've been walking through was probably necessary. What Brahm and I have just walked through for the last six years, it was absolutely necessary. It felt like death, literally. We both felt like we were going to die at times. 
and we wanted to go away and we didn't want to be a part of it. We wanted to be free from the, for the emotional pressure and the spiritual burden, the spiritual pressure. But turns out it was necessary. And you know why? Because now I'm on the other side of that and I can actually look back and I can thank God for what we have gone through. Because I know that I am not the same person I was six years ago. I'm not the same person I was three years ago. Because what happened was the proof of my faith, which is more precious than gold, which is perishable. It was tested by fire. The fire of God. So come on, Diane, come on, Bram, you can do this. Come on, go through the fire. Remember I told you my dream about the golden pond. Come on, guys, we go through things. We are tested by fire so that we'll come out the other side. And there's like a freedom and a joy, but there's a faith there. And you feel like suddenly you come out like this, like Rambo. I've never seen Rambo, but I feel like that's what I feel like, you know. Sort of come out the other side like, okay, give me my territory, you know. Come on, generals, let's go. I've always had prophecies that I was like a bride in army boots. You know, well, okay, I feel like that's what I am. You know, I remember having a prophecy, I was like a Joan of Arc. Well, I feel that's what I am. But if you'd asked me six years ago, I would have been a very crying, weepy Joan of Arc, you know. But I, you know, when God calls us and we, we respond and we say, yes, Lord, I want to be that person, we have to be ready to go through the fire because we will be tested if it's necessary. So we need to be aware of the if necessary factor. We can't be afraid of the storms of life. They're meant to push us to God and to the people of God and to the corporate gathering and the corporate anointing, not away. So there are two aspects that we must remember in the spiritual formation that happens in the storms. Number one, when we seek him together, we start to see what he sees in the midst of the storm. Because we start to see him and we start to see his plan and his purposes. His anointing starts to move amongst us and he begins to speak. And, and I love in that verse, the, the, the scripture we read before in, in Chronicles, it says, do not be afraid nor dismayed. He spoke to them. Remember that the prophet began to speak up and he, he, the Spirit of God came on this guy and he begins to prophesy and he says, do not be afraid nor dismayed. But he only spoke when they were together expectant. Remember, we started the verse by saying in verse 13, now all of Judah stood before the Lord. So there was purpose in what they, do, they did. There is purpose when we come together every week. We're standing before the Lord. And then the very next verse says, that then the Spirit of the Lord came upon this guy. And he get, delivers the word of the Lord because they were expectant. So when we seek him together, we start to see what he sees in the midst of the storm. So... Being together with a purpose draws his voice and his understanding. That's why we need each other. We need what the other person carries to be released so that we can start to see. Um, you know, it's, it's amazing. There are so many testimonies that come to my mind when I think about this. But even just this morning, you know, I didn't come here thinking I needed to give a word to someone or we needed to have a move of the Holy Spirit or that this person needed encouraging or whatever. But it turns out that the minute we all gathered together, suddenly the corporate anointing sort of brings up this, this, this flow of the Spirit of God. You know, and we've got Joash, bless his heart, trying to hide down the back, 
has to come up here and he delivers a word that he doesn't understand actually how ridiculously accurate he was. And yet, I know for a fact, if we'd just all been living stones scattered everywhere on our own, Joash isn't going to walk up to particular people and say, hey, God told me this. No, it was as we gathered together purposefully, the Spirit of God comes and he speaks to us, both corporately and individually. Does that make sense? So we, we actually need this. You know, I've, I've, I received an email from this amazing mum, and I actually haven't managed to, to get back to her yet, but was anybody here, it was a couple of years ago now, and I, I think it might have been Prophetic Sunday, Graduation Sunday, and I prophesied over a, a young guy and a young girl, and it turns out they were siblings, a brother and a sister. Does anyone remember that? Anyway, and as I began to prophesy, I could really feel the presence of God on these guys, and I said, you've actually got, there's a sibling of yours, there's a brother who's away from the Lord. And I began to prophesy over this family, and I got an email, and actually Mim sent it through to me, um, from, from the mum and dad who uh, turn out, turns out that they're pastors. And I'm going to read you a little bit of the prophecy, but this, this shows you the power of corporate gatherings. Like God knows who needs to be encouraged. He, he knows. And so basically, this is what the, the mum said to me. It was near the end of 2017 when our two oldest kids came over and you had a word, came to your church, and that you had a word over them, but also for one of their brothers. And they came away so blown away and, and, encouraged, and so encouraged. And one of the things that, that I apparently spoke over them was that there is another sibling in your family who is not walking with the Lord, but he will come back and he will come back strongly. And uh, when they shared this specific word, she said we as parents were excited to the core and also in tears. Anyway, that, that, you know, they'd been on this journey with their family and basically knew that they had to surrender their child and, and you know, hey, we know what that feels like and had to let go um, and give it fully to God but praying all the, all the time that this, this young guy would be called back to Jesus, right? Anyway, she said to me, it was around the time of your prophetic word that we began to notice a softening in, in his heart and uh, towards us as parents. And so last year he began to share with his dad um, that God had been speaking to his heart and that he felt a drawing back in a big way, so much so that he could not stop reading the Word of God. And, uh, and he started sharing these things with his dad and, you know, where there'd been uh, like a, a separation from parents to, to son. Now there was this sort of re-establishment re of that, that relationship and it was enough to bring my husband undone and he came home and wept. We both did. Any parent here knows what this would feel like. And so this mum is writing to me saying, what you prophesied happened. My son was baptised in October, at one year later. So that was just last year. And he's growing more in love with Jesus every day. Now, that wouldn't have happened if we hadn't have all been here together. The corporate anointing, the coming together. You all think, well, I'm just me. No, no, you don't understand every joint supplies. So there's something that all of us have to supply, even if it's just that you come into an atmosphere and witness God doing things, something will begin to shift in your own heart, which will prepare you for your next phase in life. And so we need, we need the Spirit of God to use us as we join corporately. The second thing is this. So remember I said two aspects that we must remember in this formation of us as people. The first one being, when we seek him together, we start to see what he sees in the midst of the storm. The second one is, when we persist and we stay alert, we draw courage and we become thankful in spite of our circumstances. 
because we actually start to surrender to the knowledge that he is totally in charge. You know, the word of the Lord came and it said, do not be afraid nor dismayed. And um, when that guy in, in Chronicles gave that word, it released faith in them. It was, it was quite profound. And, you know, I've got testimonies about this myself. Um, some of you, or most of you probably wouldn't know, but in 2013, when I think that's when our church really began to start to feel a shift happen and um, there were prophecies that had come that we knew that this was going to begin to happen, but when it happened, it was quite full on. And so 2013 was the beginning of the, of the movement, so to speak. And it, it was a very tough year for Brahmana. It was not as tough as 2016, but it was definitely a, a tough year. And, um, but in that time, it, there were so many things that happened, but right at the end of the year, I had to go to the doctors because of things that were happening to me. And my doctor actually said to me, look, he actually rang Brahm from the doctor's surgery and said, we're going to get your wife checked for cancer. And because of this, that and the other. And of course, that word was like a, a death sentence over my life and, and I freaked out. And it was at that time that we were doing the early morning prayer meetings. Who remembers those? And they were pretty, pretty profound in 2013. Some of them were from 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. and it was absolutely amazing. Some of them were from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. But we would gather together and we would pray. And I remember when my doctor, I think it might have been the October or the November of 2013, he told me this. So as Brahma and I were driving down from Sherbrooke, it was, it was quite a warm night. Must have been, maybe it was more like November or December. And I remember the, um, we ha- it was a very, very warm night, so we actually had the, the roof open, because I, I specifically remember it. And Burwood Highway was very empty, because it was only about 4.30 in the morning. And we're driving down, I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, if I'm going to die, the devil has nothing to do with this, because my life is in your hands, and you know the number of my days. So it's like I had a, a, a dialogue with God, and I said, God, you know, to live is Christ, and to die is gain, that's that therefore it's actually better off for me to be with you but if I'm going to be alive then it's going to be according to the anointing of God in my life and I'm not putting up with with anything else so Lord I need you to speak to me what is this what is going on with my body anyway we got we drove all the way down got down to uh, wherever it was Westbrook Street began to worship and I forgot all about it right now, we're all gathered. I think at that, that moment, there might have only been 10 or 15 of us, but it kind of doesn't matter because remember Jesus said where two or three are gathered. It's already church. It's already a partnership. In fact, sometimes it's better to have less than more because you've got the same concentrated faith, you know. There's no unbelief there. And uh, anyway, we're all praying and worshipping, and it was just powerful and it felt so at home in the presence of God. And I remember I wasn't even thinking about that anymore. I was just worshiping God and I got down on my face and I literally opened my Bible and I'll tell you what happened see this is why I need you guys I I need that corporate anointing I need to be together with you guys I opened my Bible and remember all I'm doing I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus I've got my eyes on Jesus I'm not anxious I'm not worried because I'm figuring God's going to speak to me and he's going to show me, and, and my life is in his hands. So I'm already not thinking about that, but this is literally probably an hour after I had just prayed that prayer. I opened my Bible, and my eyes fell right on this scripture, and this is what it says. Then the officials and all the people said to the priests and to the prophets, no death sentence for this man, for he has spoken to us in the name of the Lord our God. I knew right then, Okay. God's got me here for a purpose because I carry the word of the Lord and it's not a death sentence. And you know, from that moment onwards, it brought release to me and it brought faith to me. The word of the Lord came to me 
And I, I just smiled. I'm like, God, you're amazing. One hour after I prayed for you to show me and you speak to me like that. And who would have even known that that scripture was there? But my eyes went bang straight to that. And I, I, I know when it's the Lord speaking to me. And of course, all the fear, all the anxiety went because half the time the devil does this in our lives so that our mind is so preoccupied with stuff that we don't get on with the real things that we have to do. And sure enough, the doctor's report came back and there was absolutely nothing. I was totally fine. But you see, the enemy wants to mess with our minds all the time. Um, and I was just so thankful. It gave me courage. You see, but I needed, I needed you guys. I needed that corporate anointing. And um, <clears throat> over the last few weeks, we've been learning that the corporate anointing is so powerful when each person is surrendered to God. Then we're united in that purpose. We hold fast to what we have to hold fast to, to the confession of our faith. The glory of God then comes to the temple of God. We recognize and understand our common enemy and we guard against potential hindrances to our own faith. You know, when the church begins to gather powerfully, something stirs. So if we go back to that, that scripture in, 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 Jeho, in Chronicles about Jehoshaphat, it's the perfect, perfect uh, passage to show us how God gives us perspective in the storm. In this particular story, Jehoshaphat, you talk about a storm of life. He had this huge battle coming against him. The enemy was coming against them, coming against the life of them as a people. And so he called them all together and they fasted and prayed. And obviously, as we read, they, God spoke. So when God spoke through that guy, it's profound because it's, they saw it, they believed it, and they received it. You know how I know that? Let's go back to that verse and I'll show you. Let's go back to verse 17. You will not need to fight. So 2 Chronicles 20, verse 17. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And so then he bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judea and the inhabitants of Judah, of Jerusalem, sorry, bowed before the Lord, worshipping the Lord. So in other words... They've heard the word of the Lord. God has spoken. They're believing it. They're receiving it. But then listen to this. Verse 19. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korahites, you know what they did? They stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. What do you think that was? Nothing had happened yet. They hadn't seen the victory yet. The enemy hadn't even come yet. They were still being intimidated. But something shifted when that word came. Something happened. Like they're all, they've heard the word of the Lord. They've got on their faces. They're worshiping God and they're thanking God. They're receiving the word of the Lord. See, there's power. We're going to learn all about this when we go through 1 Corinthians 14. They've received the word of the Lord, but then something happens to these Levites. The Levites are the set-apart group to minister to the Lord. These are a prophetic bunch of people. These people see with the eyes of their hearts. These are, this is our worship team. Worship team in, in Melbourne Life, this is who we're meant to be. We're meant to be able to see what God sees even before it's happened. So they hear the word of the Lord. They're down on their faces. Can you imagine? The word of the Lord's come. They're all down worshiping God. The king, Jehoshaphat's down there too. But something stirs so powerfully in them. How many of you have ever felt that? I know I feel it all the time. I can't sit still. I can't just lay down. I have to get up and I have to start walking or jumping or shouting. 
This is what happened. They saw it. You see, in the midst of the storm, they saw what God saw. It's like the penny dropped. Wow, I see it. My eyes, the eyes of my heart see it. They, they saw it and they received it so much that they actually stood up. And they didn't just stand up in excitement. They began to worship God with a loud voice. Do you remember the story of my sister-in-law who was stuck in Ambon and the persecution was happening in Ambon and the trucks of the, of, the, of the enemy were coming up the mountains to kill all the, the wives and the children or the men were out trying to guard their homes. And my sister-in-law, she said she knew the trucks were coming up the mountain, six truck full of people, very brutal, very, very brutal people to women and children, couldn't care less about anything. And they were coming up the mountain. She said her legs were weak to the knees. Her legs were going underneath her. She laid on her face and she began to open up the Word of God because she needed God to sustain her. See, she's facing a storm right now. And she needs the Word of the Lord. She was with Martha, the, the intercessor. And they had their children asleep there in the house. And Chris was out guarding the village with the men. And she began to open up the Psalms and she did what she only knew to do, which was to go to the Word of God. She began to go to the Word of God, but she could barely get her voice out because she was terrified. Her legs were weak. She couldn't move. She, 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 she couldn't speak. She was choked by fear. I felt that before. But she kept on the Word of God because she knew she needed the Word of God at that moment. She knew that would be the only thing that would sustain her. So she read the Word of God. She, she held on to the psalm that she was reading about the, how God would come in and defeat the enemy. And she said it over and over. She said, I got to 13 times, Diane. My voice was still just whispering. I could barely get it out. I got to 14 times. My voice started getting stronger. By the 15th time of reading that psalm, she said, it's like something came into me and I got it. It's like faith came into me. And I exploded on the inside of her. And she said she literally jumped up. Now see, this is what's happened to these guys here. They can't contain what they can see because the Spirit of God on the inside is saying, look, I want to show you what is going on here. And they, she stood up and began to scream the Word of God. Like she went from being a terrified female to this powerful woman used by the Spirit of God to declare. And you know, they never made it up the mountain. It never happened. But see, that's what happened here. They could see what God was doing. See, we think we go through storms and we go to psychiatrists. There's nothing wrong with psychiatrists. We go to psychologists. Nothing wrong with psychiatrists. We ring up Bernadette and talk for 20 hours on the phone. There's nothing wrong with ringing up Bernadette and talking for 20 hours on the phone. Um, you know, we, we go from church to church. We try this church. They're no good. We go try Melbourne Life. They're no good. We try that church. They're no good. We try all these things, but the answer the whole time is in the Word of God and in the body of Christ. It's for us as individuals and it's for us corporately. We will hear God and our, our individual storms will be met and they will be ministered to in the corporate anointing. This is what happened here. These guys, and those guys that stood up to do that, they were probably the turkeys that got sent out front. They probably didn't realize that yet that that was about to happen. But they were the ones that got sent out. The worshippers went out first. In the army, by, by this stage, they were ready. And of course, the word goes on, the, the story goes on to say that the enemy ambushed themselves. They, 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 they fought against each other. And there was an incredible victory. See, God can do any of that for us. I've seen him do all of that 
for me, for Bram, for Bram and I. I've seen it. I've seen him do it for our church. We've seen incredible victories in prayer. We've seen it. It's profound. You know, Bernadette, Bram and I all start to, to warfaring and, 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 and praying. We've done that over these last few years. And the very words that come out of our mouths literally happen within a week. And we just kind of go, wow. Wow, that actually happened. That actually happened. Because there's power. There's power when two or three gather in unity with a purpose. It's powerful. Because he begins to give us his perspective in the middle of the storm. When we enter the storm, all we feel is the impact of the storm. But we're, when we're right in the eye of the storm, we call out to him. He will show us. Man. I think we're going to finish there. I've got so much more to say. I've got another week's worth of notes here that I want to say. But the principle is this. We need the presence of God. Now, I, I want to encourage you guys this afternoon, 2.30, winter rain. Please don't not come because you're burdened by a storm. Don't run from the corporate gathering. Run to the corporate gathering. God is going to meet you. Do you know how many times God has met me? It, while I'm being faithful with what God's asked me to do, I remember doing DMS in, in Jakarta last year, uh, January last year, 2018. And we were going through huge stuff in our family, huge stuff, mega stuff. And I had to get up there and preach and I'd, in, the, in the middle of preaching and all that, then I'd go back and have morning tea and I'd be getting text messages and realize the crap that's going on. And I remember in the praise and worship session, I, I got everyone laying on the floor and I got everyone's experiencing God. And then finally, finally, I said, all right, God, I need you. When I could see everyone was going for it and they're all getting touched by the Holy Spirit, I got on the floor. Do you remember? I don't know if any of you noticed that. And I broke, I bawled my eyes out before God, hoping that nobody could hear me because it was very loud. Um, but you know, because I know, I know that that's where I need to do my business with God. It's powerful when we do it together. It's powerful when we do it together. Come on, guys, we need one another. Don't do this alone. You know, we pray in our cars and we pray at home and we do all that. But do you know what? You just have to start gathering together. Start practicing praying for one another over the phone. You know, when you're, when you're going through burdens, don't just sort of say, oh, I'm going through this. Pray. Stop the conversation and go, you know what? Let's just pray together. Let's start praying in the Spirit. And then begin to pray for one another. Don't feel awkward. If you feel awkward about that, then... My goodness, you all need to come and do DMS again. Like, seriously. This is a spiritual kingdom. It is a spiritual battle. We, have a, we are not fighting against flesh and blood. We are fighting against powers and principalities in heavenly places that want to destroy you. They don't even want you to get your foot in the door. They don't even want you to get you know, on, the, on the starting line to run your race. They'll scatter you. They'll destroy me. They'll destroy Brian. That's what, that's what the enemy will try and do to us. But come on, together we are strong. And we will start to see because God shows us things. He shows us things. Wow. You know, I always remember, and this, was, this became a bit of a, another watershed word for our church. And um, it was in 2013. In the beginning of the, of the year, we'd actually had a word from uh, a pastor called Claudia Castellanos in Bogota, Colombia, and she had told us that 
lot was about to be removed in our church and that, um, you know, just as Abraham uh, needed a lot removed, that we would have a, a new group of people to help us to see the land. And at that stage, our, our church and our churches were just exploding. It was powerful. And, um, and that was in the February. And then in the May, we began to have early morning prayer meetings. And, um, you know, a lot of us refer back to the Luke Joyner vision. Who, who remembers the vase vision? Yeah, hands up if we all remember the vase's vision. Yeah. And um, it became a very significant word. Um, about you know people coming and the house needing to be cleaned, but instead of tidying up around vases to pull the vases out and clean underneath them and then they would be repositioned. And so we knew that there was shifting and shaking coming, but we didn't realize how much shifting and shaking and how many vases and, and how foundations needed to be cleaned up. But you know what? And over the years I've actually texted Luke, Luke, can you just remind me again? What was your word again? And uh, there'll be often be times things will be happening and Ben, you know, our son or someone will say, well, that's, that's the vases, mum, or that's lot being removed, mum, or that's, and, and we can see it, but that came in the corporate gathering. And not only does it affect us as a church, it affects the vases, it affects us, it affects us as the vessels. So we need to know what God is doing. This is, this is about seeking God. And knowing what God is saying. So I want to invite you guys to be a part of what we're doing. To, if you can make it this afternoon. I want you to be fasting one day a week. We're going to do the laying on of hands. Um, not sure when, but I'll definitely keep you posted. And we're going to have an anointing service. But come on, this is, this is serious stuff that God is wanting to build here on the earth. It takes spiritual praying to build a spiritual kingdom. Amen. And to see spiritual results. All right, let's stand. Let's just stand. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you always give us perspective in the storm. You give us insight and eyesight to see, to know, and to hear. Lord, you always know when something is necessary for us. Lord, we want to be a people who know how to yield. Father, we want the proof of our faith to be more precious than gold, which is perishable. We want, to, we want to know that we can be tested by fire in a way that is found to result in praise and glory and honour when we come out the other side, Father. I pray for a grace in our hearts, Lord, for every trial that we might be going through. But Lord, I pray for eyes to see and ears to hear. And more than anything, Father, I pray that as we grow together as a church and as a body, Lord, that you would use us, use every joint that supplies to one another. Use us all, Lord, to speak, to minister, to minister to grace to one another, to bring prophetic visions and insight, to bring prophecies, Father, tongues and interpretation, Lord. We ask you for the fullness of the gifts of your Holy Spirit, Lord. And we ask you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.